Blog Talk Radio. Outsiders Boxing Podcast, where they only gonna give you the realest talking. Boxing, 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 boxing. Outsiders Boxing Podcast midweek show coming at you in full effect like we like to do each and every Wednesday, 9 p.m. Central Time. I'm your host, D. Willa, a.k.a. Willa the King, out there on those social media. Um, out here in what I like to call God's butthole, you know, we got JP, he's out there in God's vacation in the spot. I'm out here in God's butthole. It ain't really, it ain't that bad. But I'm out here in West Texas, out here on on assignment for work. Uh, came in on Monday, seventy three, seventy five, seventy three, seventy five degrees. Nice, feeling good. Tuesday drops a little bit. We're at about sixty five, getting a little cooler. Wake up today. It's snow everywhere. What the fuck's going on? I don't know. So I've been stuck in this hotel room all day, surviving on scraps. Uh, luckily, I went. I hit that uh, Golden Corral last night and got, you know, went stupid on the uh, on the to go orders. I ordered about had about five pounds of food, so was able to eat today. Luckily, snow is is, is lightened up. Got that DoorDash on the way through, so. You know, at any time, somebody should be stopping by. I ain't going out in the cold. I'm going to make somebody else do it, especially on the company's dime, man. But that's neither here nor there. You know, we weren't able to get with you on Sunday because, speaking of the Lord, uh, Sunday was, you know, a day that God had made. It was Super Bowl Sunday. And everybody wanted to, you know, take a chill out on boxing and get to watch, you know, a pretty excellent football game. Got to see, you know, my pick, the Kansas City Chiefs, um, beat the San Francisco 49ers. I know I think I said I was leaning towards the 49ers, but I didn't think they had what it takes to get to Colin Kaepernick. I mean, Colin Kaepernick, I mean, yeah, another light-skinned guy. But my boy Mahomes. They didn't have what it takes to get to him, but they were getting to his ass. But, you know, fourth quarter didn't hold up, and he went out like a G, you know. So we got to see a good good Super Bowl Sunday, man. And I was, uh, you know, got to spend, this, spend it with my old man, watched it. You know, people had some parties, but I decided, nah, you know, I'm going to go ahead and chill with the old man and watch it, order some Chinese food. So we had our MSG up. It was real sleepy, but checked it all out, man. Excellent excellent halftime show, you know, J-Lo, Shakira, two of the finest Latinas out there doing their thing, you know, uh, J-Lo had, 
had her legs spread wide open the whole time. I thought thought the monkey was going to fall out at any second. I was looking forward to that, but I think she had it taped in real nice. But J-Lo put on a hell of a show, looking good. You know, both of these women are older than myself. I think they say Shakira is like uh, Shakira is like 43. J-Lo's 50 years old. Both of them looking hella good. So, you know, excellent halftime show. And last weekend, we didn't get to talk about it, but we had a pretty good fight night on Friday night. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. This weekend, not so much going on. A couple of showcases. We got Kell Brook making his 2020 debut. Um, I believe he hasn't fought. Did he fight in 19? I don't think he fought in 19. Looked like he took about a year off. He's coming off a year and a couple of months layoff, so he's got some easy American work going over there at Sheffield. And also, one of my guys that I grew to dislike because he let down the black race against Lomachenko looking like uh, one of the phrases I've uh, coined, a skill bum. But after that, has been showing that he does have some skill, been talking a lot of noise, been looking for the big fights. Haven't really, really been able to get the big, big fights, but been looking for that, been holding down the uh, featherweight title here for, for a while. Gary Russell Jr. putting in some work against some guy that I've never heard of that's 11-0. and 0. So we're going to be talking about that some, uh, where's this guy from? Uh, Mongolia. Looks like a little Asian guy from Mongolia out of California. But we're going to talk about that, a little easy work, and also about um, Javante Davis snatching up his chick in front of everybody. What is wrong with these dudes in 2020? I don't get it. Uh, aggressive little guy. So we're going to talk about that, man. But before we do that, let's take it to my man out there in Southern California probably have a nice weather out there. I'm out here freezing. Um, I like to keep the room on 68, 69 when I'm, you know, when I'm chilling. But I think the heat is on right now, uh, and, and that's never good, man. But I want to take it to the host of the Relatively Fat and Black podcast. Last week did a show about Kobe, excellent show. I suggest y'all check that out on there on iTunes and whatnot. But let's take it to my man. JP, aka Heavy Headed J. JP, what's popping, man? Oh man, always so gracious, man. Chilling uh, Wednesday, come day, you know. Uh, I never miss the opportunity to do that. <clears throat> but uh, shit, man, nothing much. Kind of uh, somber in the boxing world to see one of boxing's young prospects, young prospect, up and coming stars, Gavante Davis kind of involved in some domestic stuff. You hate to see that. Uh, but me, myself, getting over the hump, getting over the hump in the week, a lot of stuff going on at work. Well, uh, you know, snow is something we don't know nothing about down here. You know, snow is something that I, I didn't know it snowed in Texas. I hear, you know, you guys have uh, different kinds of weather from time to time, but I didn't know it snowed, you know, I know there was some kind of flood in Houston a couple years ago, but, uh, you know, people think they like snow until it actually starts snowing, you know, and then you learn that you fucking hate snow. Um, you know, being here in Cali, about two hours away, everybody goes to Big Bear, <clears throat> and that's where you get your snow. That's the beauty about California. California is one of the few states where if you want desert, 
we got desert for you. If you want mountains, we got mountains for you. If you want um, canyons and valleys, we got that for you. If you want the city, we got that for you. And we also, two hours away, got the snow for you. So <clears throat> that's it, man. Uh, a lot of us go up there, hit Big Bear, and within about a day, a good one one time down a, uh, a slope, because we all like to go hit the hit the slopes and get on the what are those things called the uh, the sleds and stuff like that. And, yeah. And and until you eat it and you learn that stuff is really cold and really hard, no fun. But uh, as far as boxing man goes, I I think we're all just waiting for 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 what the big event on the twenty second is. I believe the date is, and and I'm really psyched for that. But in the interim, we got Gary Russell. And we got some other good things to talk about, so let's do it, bro. Oh yeah, definitely. I did. I did. Uh, that's something that we might as well just to put that out there. I did see that they had the um, the undercard announced for the Fury, and I want to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna run off these names to you. Let me see if I can find it and see if this this is something that you'll be interested in paying. Who knows how much for? I think they've got as the co-main event one of the weakest heavyweight champions of all time. A guy that's cool with RC. Um, Charles Martin is on the co-main event against Gerald Washington. Okay. That's for, that's for nothing. That's for, for some kind of eliminator. Uh, a, a good fight, I mean, a good fighter, uh, Manuel Navarrete, is going to be fighting, uh, putting up his WBO Super Bantamweight title against, um, G, uh, I don't know how to say this guy's name, Hijo Santizima, I don't know who that is, and Sebastian Fedora will take on Daniel Lewis in a Super Welterweight bout. Does any of that, does any of that ring pay-per-view for you, J.P.? Because for me, I'm seeing Charles Martin versus Gerald Washington, which are two of two of the worst guys ever. Gerald Washington, I think he got he got slept by by uh, Wilder and Charles Martin after winning a fight without landing, getting a knockout without landing the punch, got fed to uh, Joshua for his first title, and uh, you know got beat up. Uh, any of those fights interesting to you, man? No, it's pretty um, it's pretty to me like a blatant slap in the face to boxing fans because like they've been say, saying the whole time, uh, the promoters they don't have to sell this fight. This fight will sell itself, and they've shown you that and lived to that by their lack of promotion and their lack of undercard, man. And you know they say you know we're here to see the big fights and this, that, and the other. Yes, that's true, but I still appreciate a good undercard. You know what I mean? If I'm going to pay for the the three hour event, I want to get I want to be entertained properly for three hours. Is that too much tax? Is that being you know, you know nitpicking or something? So you know I'm not asking them to put on, you know, the you know a great undercard, but you know give me something somewhere of substance, and they they did not. So you know it's terrible undercard, but what, what can you do? Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting fight party. That's a a fight that you're just going to want to check out right when it comes or 
you know, right when the main event comes on. That's something where you probably don't want to have anybody at your house watching the fights because they're not going to be checking out the first couple of fights, um, the first three, um, you know, with that said. Um, but before we get into this weekend stuff, last weekend we didn't get to talk about it. We did have a fight card with pretty good undercard on it, you know. I remember last week, you know, we weren't – JP was saying he really wasn't interested in the uh, Andrade versus – who the hell was Andrade fighting? Some guy nobody was worried about. Luke Keeler, Keeler. Uh, you know, JP was saying he wasn't interested in that, and I think after we talked about it last Wednesday, you know, we got him a little interested in it. And, you know, I don't think he was disappointed if he was able to check out the first two fights. And with those, the first two fights were, the first one on the undercard was uh, Daniel Roman putting up his uh, WBA and his IBF super bantamweight titles against, you know, unknown Olympian that was uh, 7-0, and uh, Mor- Morajan Akamadalis. I don't know how to say his name. But, man, that was a hell of a fight. Uh, uh, Daniel Roman went in there. He was the, even though he was the champ, undisputed champ, going up against this young 25-year-old uh, Soviet, you know, I, what, Uzbekistan cat. Um, he put up a great fight, but this guy, Aka Madalev, I, I wish I could say his name a little better. He looks like he's the real deal, man. You know, I I after seeing the fight and after hearing that he had, he was the, um, that Roman was the underdog and he was favored in this fight. I looked at a little, little of his uh, stuff and I saw that he was knocking everybody out. Um, he has a style. Of, it isn't that usual Eastern European style. He was a, he was a uh, soft paw. He's coming in and out. He's throwing power shots, looping shots, straight shots. And he went in there and at the beginning, I thought he was going to give Roman that, uh, that work early. But uh, Daniel Roman showed that he's a true champion in there, stayed in there. He fought, and they fought to a split decision fight, man, which I think was uh, uh, the fight of the night. And I'm very interested in seeing what this young uh, Akam Akamadalev can do. Man, his name is hard to say. I'm going to just call him uh, M-A or A-K for now. Um, JP, were you able to catch that fight out, man? I think I had – I believe uh, it was a split decision win. Uh, Roman looked good at the end. You could tell that, um, you know, that he was a little more seasoned, but he was in there getting beat up, man. Uh, he was in there getting beat up, but he showed that he, he was a true champion. And he started fighting off uh, AK um, at the end. But this guy, you know, Akamadala, man, he looks like he's the real deal. He doesn't look like your average European fighter, man. Now, he doesn't have those Lomachenko-type skills where he's jumping around. He has that – he sort of reminds me, like I said last time, of uh, Tiafimo, you know, little little small guy, cut up, throwing power shots. Now, he – you know, did you – were you able to catch that fight? I was, man, and it was a great fight, and I'm glad you guys uh, got me interested in that undercard. Um, Akmagalia, we talked about – um, how they put these guys on that fast track when they um, have a high Olympic accolade. When they have a lot of Olympic accolades, you'll see them similarly to Lomachenko and some of these other guys coming into the uh, 
to boxing, um, they put them on the fast track, and they kind of know how good they are. And that's why I kind of said, well, let's um, let's see, let let's see just how good this this guy is. I had never seen him. I don't think many of us had seen him fight. So um, it's something to see. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I like him, and I can't wait to see him in the future. Like you said, he's not your typical, not your typical uh, Eastern European fighter. When you think Eastern European, you're thinking something like a Triple G, a Kovalev, something out of that mold, a better BS. But uh, this guy, something different. This guy definitely something different. Used a lot of lateral movement, uh, pot shotted, um, kind of showed you the repertoire. I think we've seen quite a bit of repertoire out of him, and um, was able to mix it up well, punch with some power. Um, just kind of seemed to know how to use the angles. So it wasn't a lot to uh, take away from Akhmedaliev on the side of Daniel Roman, um, East Los Angeles, around my neck of the woods. Uh, a little disappointing. Um, also, I think Roman showed, you know, he, he showed well for himself. I don't think that he lost a lot of stock in that fight. Um, and he was definitely the guy, at least in my view of the fight, who was coming on late. He was, uh, It was Roman who was coming on late. And you start to see um, Akhmedaliev kind of hoping the finish line comes uh, faster. You know, so I think the the championship pedigree in both guys showed um, is kind of one of those fights. I'll be honest with you, uh, I'm not mad at the decision. I just wish that um, Roman would have had more of a chance. You know, being that he's a champion, um, I think you said it was a split or a majority decision. I'm not sure, but yeah, um, split decision. You know, I felt split decision, and that's about right. And I ain't gonna say. Um, Akhmedali, I mean, Roman should have won. But I felt it wasn't like a, he didn't get smoked out or anything. You know, I felt he showed well for himself. So uh, shout out to Daniel Roman, a, a guy that I'm a new fan of myself, I must admit. And I uh, look forward to seeing him. And I think uh, that that fight should definitely be a rematch to it. So I, I'm I'm excited for both guys. Yeah, most definitely. I think that's, what, that's the first thing I said. It should have been a rematch, even though, you could tell that uh, Akhmedaliev was his punches were way harder than uh, than Roman, and Roman never really. I don't I don't know if he could, he was able to get him hurt, but he was able to like put the pressure on him and to show that he was. You could tell that he, at the end of the fight, you could tell that he was the more seasoned veteran there. He was able to sort of switch up switch up his style and start attacking and listening to what the corner was saying, man. But yeah, I had you know it was a pretty close fight. Uh, I'm not mad at the split decision. Um, I think Akhmedalev Ak- did what he was supposed to do, and he and he got that belt, man. So yeah, I think Roman said he wanted the uh, the rematch. I'm pretty sure that you know he didn't. They didn't say nothing about a rematch clause, so we're gonna see what they say. Um, but then that guy started dancing. Did you see him start dancing in there? Uh, you know, they said he liked to dance. He was in there dancing a little bit, a little oh, yeah. small dude, Drip. looking crazy. Drip, but I think homie. he's the fastest. No, he was. He had swag, wasn't he? He had nah, he looked like swag. he was a little offbeat to me. He was oh, doing a little, yeah, little right. salsa slide. Yeah, I don't know. I'm that's not gonna give him that, man. I ain't gonna give him that. But I, uh, but I think he was the fastest guy to unify or maybe he was tied I, I, I want to say he's tied with somebody to be the fastest to uh to unify division in uh eight fights so um 
you know, shout out to him. We'll be looking forward to him fighting. Uh, I think other champions in there like Navarati, who's going to be fighting uh, on the undercard of the Fury, uh, the Wilder Fury card. So man, we'll see what he does. But that guy's punching, man. Um, I think they might. I mean, he beat the top dog, you know, so he might be able yeah. to. He might be able to whoop these guys. So I want to see the rematch. See if Roman can do. See if he can come back. He didn't just. It looked like, like I said, it looked like he was going to get worked at the beginning. It looked like he had no chance, but he sort of switched it up and started putting pressure on, and it turned into an excellent fight, man. So, uh, yeah, shout out to those guys, and hopefully we'll get to see see a rematch, man. But uh, the next fight of the night was a fight that I love to say that I called, and I think me and you called this fight. Uh, Kevin Farmer uh, putting up his IBF. Uh, world super featherweight title up against Jojo Diaz. Now, you know, going to this fight, we all remember Jojo Diaz giving Gary Russell Jr. Uh, a pretty good fight, um, coming on strong at the end, and then fighting uh, bums after that until until this fight. But we knew I always liked Jojo uh, Joseph Diaz, aka Jojo Diaz. Man, I thought he had the real. I thought he had some real skills. Um, you know, and I think he was, I think he's an Olympic guy. Uh, he's out there, out there from your, from your neck of the woods too, I think out there in uh, California, but it's a guy that I like to see, man. And I was never really sold on Tevin Farmer. Now, Tevin Farmer is a guy that people are saying people are ducking and nobody wants to fight him. Just, you know, him and Javante Davis had a, you know, had a little scrap and he said he wants to beat, beat these guys. But when you look at, when you look at Tevin Farmer's, you know, look at his box wreck, he doesn't really have any great wins. It's not, it's not like he ever beat anybody that, you know, that was worth anything. You know, he beat some African, uh, Kinchi, Kenichi Ongawa, you know, for his belt back in 2017. Um, but what I will give him is he's been fighting, you know, since 2017. He's had one, two, three, four, five, six fights. He fought four, uh, two times last year, three times in uh, in 2018. So he's been putting it on the line, but not against good guys, and I never really was sold. You know, he has a good story. You know, he started off uh, first, first fight of his career. He got knocked out. Uh, he lost a knockout. He lost his fourth fight. Then he lost his, like, you know, he got knocked out again by Jose uh, Pedraza back in 2012. But since 2012, you know, he's been winning, and he's been doing a lot of winning. So, you know, he had a good story, you know, but I never was sold on him. And, it, you know, also had to do with this, him being cross-eyed probably. I don't like his look, but that's neither here nor there. But I picked Joseph Diaz to win. I thought it was going to be a good fight. But it ended up being damn near easy work. Now, Tevin Farmer, he did a lot of shit talking. How he was gonna fuck JoJo Diaz up, how, you know, he was gonna they were gonna go out to have pancakes or something afterwards, but he was gonna fuck him up. But he went in there and he laid an egg, you know. Um he lost a unanimous decision to JoJo Diaz. He got beat up, uh, even I think in the second second round. A headbutt cut Joseph uh, Jojo Diaz's eye wide open, 
talking about Fury style, you know, how Fury just got his shit split open the last night. But Tevin Farmer was so weak in there that after the third round, I don't even think there was any blood coming out of this, this thick-ass cut anymore. He couldn't knock the Vaseline out. Tevin Farmer was punching so weak. Now, he had a few little furies, uh, flurries here and there, but he wasn't able to do anything with JoJo, uh, with JoJo Diaz. He was in there getting out roughed, out tough. He was supposed to go in there and knock him out. You know, JoJo Diaz is, was a smaller guy, but he was bringing it to Tevin Farmer, man. JoJo Diaz put up a hell of a performance. Um, I know they said that they have a rematch. Um, I don't know. I can't remember what Tevin Farmer said. I think he was making some excuses like he might have been doing – he might have not have taken no time off and his body might be wearing out or, you know, he – I'm saying – no. Let's take that – I'll take that completely back. He went out like a gentleman. He said he he got beat. He was a better man today. He sort of threw, you know, little – little dishes in here and there, but he went out the classy way and said there would be the immediate rematch. I don't think he wants that rematch, man. Jojo Diaz told, showed you that he was faster, seemed like he was stronger, and he was more, you know, more mentally in it to, to me, man. So Joseph Diaz pulls off the uh, the upset, winning the IBF Super Featherweight title, and it was damn near easy work, man. What do you say about that one, uh, J.P.? For that one, I went against my guy. I I'm a, I ain't gonna hold you. I I picked uh, Tevin Farmer. Um, I guess I drunk the Kool Aid, so to speak, and went against my guy JoJo. And I I I went against JoJo over some stupid stuff in my estimation, just kind of going off of how the trajectory of his career and how that's been and how he's kind of fallen into obscurity, but. I forgot about the fighter that I used to love and that I always felt would be a champion one day and had just come up short here and there. And that's Jojo Diaz, man. No doubt um, he's still that tough, uh, gritty little dude, um, not not a master of anything. One of those things we call a jack-of-all-trades, a master of none. You know, he's kind of that guy to some degree. Um, but he's going to come out every time and he's going to give you a valiant effort. And for guys like Tevin Farmer, and what I said about Farmer, what we could possibly see is with Farmer is have that bag got to him. We, we talked about, well, Tevin got a bag to him, from what we understand at least. And, and is that um, going to be like too much for him? Is he going to come in fat? Is he going to come in untrained? Now, a little tough seemed to fight happen, and what you heard inside the fight also was. Tevin's legs, like, just kind of seeming not to be there um, and things like that. And he looked, they said he had some kind of uh, glitch or something like that, like a tick, you know, and, and, uh, and you heard the other guys saying that they noticed it also. So I'm thinking, uh, when I'm looking at him, like, he just doesn't look right. So in my estimation, I think Tevin uh, Farmer probably got hurt in, in training, man. I think he probably got hurt pretty good in training, and they just went on ahead and fulfilled the fight, you know. I think that happens a lot, and we don't do it about it. I don't think you hear about that often when a guy, that's for really high-profile guys to disclose, like a Joshua. You know, for um, for guys like Tevin Farmer who just need to fulfill that contract to secure that bag, you know, getting hurt in camp and, you know, just rushing under the rug and say, we got to go out here and fulfill this commitment, period. 
And to me, he looked like a guy who got hurt in camp and his legs weren't quite there and his movement wasn't quite there, and that definitely affected him in the fight. Yeah, man, I think uh... – I, I I think I posted something about that on the on our little uh, on our text message on a group text that you know that he was looking crazy and that he kept on like yeah like he would tick and look up and he would you know when they were in the corner he he wouldn't sit down they you know he stands in the corner but then he would just sort of like like he would almost have like a baby seizure where he would just be looking up every every like ten fifteen seconds he's looking up he's He's ticking, looking up, and uh, that looked crazy, man. I don't know, you know, I don't know if he's always done that. Um, you know, I've, I've seen plenty of his fights. I don't remember him always doing that, but I don't know what was wrong with him, man. He, they might need to check on that. You know, I hate to see, I hate to see something seriously, you know, be going on, going wrong with him, man. But he didn't look the same. You know, we usually see Tevin Farmer doing a lot more movement. You know, um, defense way better than it was. But he was getting he was getting his ass whooped, man. Jojo Diaz put it put it on his ass, man. And it, it was it, uh, like I said, it almost turned to easy work. It wasn't the easiest of work, especially with that big ass gash in his eye. But it was easy work, and that's the, you know, he didn't do it. He wasn't pawing at it, you know, like most guys will do. They get they get cut over the eye. Jojo Diaz wasn't you know making any excuses. Wasn't pawing at it. He wanted that so bad that he acted like it wasn't there. And Tevin Farmer, you know, it didn't even. What was crazy is that did you notice that 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 his eye didn't bleed after the the third or fourth round? Like he wasn't even getting hit in. Yeah, yeah, it's like they had like they super glue. Yeah, 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 yeah. Farmer, he really shit the bed on this one, man. I think he had an opportunity to really put himself in, um, you know, just in contention and be a, a, a name that people know in boxing and he shit the bed. You know, he, he came up short for lack of better words. And um yeah. That that's that's Tevin Farmer and I wouldn't be surprised if we never hear from Tevin Farmer again if we do I mean Tevin Farmer's next fight for him is gonna be make or break. You know, and that's just simply said. Yeah. And more than likely it'll be against Jojo Diaz, so we'll see what he's got. We'll see what he's got. Maybe they can make a, a good uh, trilogy out of this, man, because they did a lot of shit talking. But uh, the last two fights on there were snoozers. Uh, we had the YouTube fight. Guy got knocked out and uh, got knocked down, sort of three. I think it was a three knockdown rule in the first. Looking real weak in there. And then we had a snooze fest by the, uh, Demetrius Andrade. Um who's always a big topic when it comes to our little text message, uh, our little group text, man. But he got a knockout versus Luke Keeler, uh, knocked him down early. Um, I was sort of in and out on that fight, very boring when it comes to Andrade. He's he's in there having not tough fights, but long fights with guys nobody's worried about. Um, I'm not even 100% sure when it ended. I think I want to say around the 10th or so, but I could be completely wrong. I remember just, uh, you know, I was in and out, and I think I was sort of fading away, getting tired and sleep um, after watching those two, you know, after watching the two undercar fights, getting me hyped, and then after being let down by the YouTube fight, which was horrible, watching Andrade, was, I think, was just as bad. You know, after that, he did the usual, um, called out Triple G, called out Canelo, called out Charlo. Um, but I wasn't impressed, man. 
You know, like I say, just with just the same as Tevin Farmer. When you look at Andrade's, when you look at Andrade's uh, box wreck, you don't no names come out and really you know touch you except for you know he did beat Bonas Bonas Monterosen, which was a pretty good win. He when he was undefeated back in 2013, and that's it, man. I mean. He really hasn't beat anybody, man, and it's sort of like he's calling out these big names, and I think we all, him being the champion, uh, I, I, he should, him being the WBO middleweight champion, he should be able to get these fights, but, you know, he doesn't have the cachet to get these fights, and, and you know, and I feel, I sort of feel sorry for him, but what can we say? He needs to do, he needs to make people want to check him out. He has a big opportunity in Miami on the, I said it was on a Friday night, but that was Thursday. That was a Thursday night. Um, Miami Super Bowl weekend. You got people there to check it out. It looked like the crowd was pretty hyped for the YouTubers. He had a chance to go out there and put on a great show. And it looked like he was early. He came out looking like he was going to knock him out. Then it got real boring real quick until he was able to pull it out again, man. Uh, I know Andrade is one of your least liked guys, man, but what do you have to say about that fight, man? What did you check it out? And also if you want to comment on the, the YouTube nonsense. Uh, I have no problem with Andrade. Actually, I think he's a pretty, uh, he's a good fighter who will give all those dudes problems. Uh, problem with Andrade is he's never done anything, but um, uh, a fight that fell through the cracks with, Billy Joe Saunders being Billy Joe Saunders' fault, nasal spray, all that, so that's not his fault. But that's the most we can say for Demetrius Andrade's career. Now, all the calling out, now I'm happy to hear that because I didn't make it to the end of the fight. I got through about six rounds, and I'm like, okay, man, he's not going to put this guy away. Are you kidding me? Because we talked about that leading into the fight, Will. It's a reason Andrade's on this card. It's because they're like, damn, what do we do with this dude that we think is pretty good? You know what? We actually think this guy has um, star uh, star power. You know, this guy could be a potential star. He talks all the shit. His moniker is um, tall, dark, and handsome or whatever. Where doesn't that work at? Everybody hates black guys who talk shit. Um, he has a slick style that will give anyone problems. So that's why they got him at the zone. Well, what to do with them? Because you can't have them beat Triple G or Canelo. God forbid that. So that's that's a no go. Um, so what do you do with them? And so they're they're kind of in a rock and a hard place as far as that goes. But uh, Demetrius, you know, he has to just go at the guys and he has to take it upon himself. He can't sit there and collect a check and act like you know guys are supposed to come see him and you're not raising your cachet. He was put on that platform for exactly that reason. They gave him a guy that he should have gotten out of there. There's no, there's nothing in my head that told me he shouldn't have gotten that guy out of there. He should have got Kilo out of there early and spectacularly. That's what it looked to be the whole time. And uh, somehow, some way, Kilo just hung around, hung around, hung around until it became boring. You know, and I, you can only blame Demetrius for that. You can only blame him for that. He has to go for it more. Um, it seems like he's putting some, some some power behind those shots, and then he gets this this side stance thing going, where he starts doing that, and he's just throwing the left hand from, you know, from ten buck two, 
and uh, sometimes, and most of the times it's not connected, but it looks kind of quirky and dopey and interesting, I guess you could say also. If you're a casual fan and you see a guy doing that, you're like, oh, this guy's pretty cool. Check him out. But uh, aside from that, man, you know, it's just not a lot to talk about. You know, Demetrius, and we talked about it in our infamous group chat, uh, and we're always comparing Charlo and Demetrius. The truth of the matter is, is that Demetrius, oh shit, my bad. Um, Demetri, I mean Charlo, has has on the big stage gotten the big knockout, and that being versus J Rock, spectacularly. When you do that, you, when you do that, this is sports man, this is entertainment. Of course, you raise your cachet, you make people want to see you more. When you don't do that, you know you're just another guy. And right now, Demetrius is just another guy, and uh, trying to find trying to find that sweet spot. Um, I don't think it's due to lack of skill. I just think it's due to lack of, you know, wrong time, wrong places, and getting the, you know, those breaks aren't happening for him. So I hope they happen. I want to see him in the mix. He's over there at the zone with Danny Jacobs, Triple G, Canelo, um, Billy Joe. They're all right there in the same promotion. So at some point we need to start holding Eddie, uh, Demetrius, um, and everyone else involved accountable, you know, and saying give this guy a fight. And if you're going to be talking, trying to show emails from Charlo, you got three to four guys at your own damn promotion you could be fighting. Stop fucking giving us these smoke screens talking about Charlo and trying to indict PBC and your bullshit, because that's all this is about. Handle your business and stop trying to play on the on the public and all these casual fans. Uh, the the freaking main event, man, uh, the the YouTube thing. Look. It wasn't terrible. Uh, what is it, Jake Paul? He looked like he could fight a little bit. He looked like he could fight a little bit. I'll be, I'll keep it a hundred. But um, Luke Paul, I don't brother. Know. Luke Paul. Yeah, he looks yeah. like he could fight a little bit. I don't want to see Antonio Brown um, kind of embarrass himself, putting himself in this situation. But I think Antonio Brown's just fine being a spectacle, um, and he just seems to want attention. And it looks like that fight's going to be next. And, you know, we'll probably watch if there's a good, you know, professional fight on it. I think we'll probably see Demetrius again on that or, you know, one of the guys that they're trying to get over the hump at the zone because they're obviously not going to match him up. So they're trying to get him over the hump with the casual shit. We talked about this, subscriptions. We talked about all this. But uh, no need to do the deep dive. But it is what it is, man. Demetrius. You know, you, you got to make your way somewhat, brother. People don't just come finding you, giving away their leverage. It's high risk, high reward. I think they said that on the telecast. He's high risk, low reward. That Who, who the hell wants that? So, and it, it, it's simple simple business, man, simple math. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of up to Demetrius and, and the matchmaking at this point. Yeah, most of them, I, I see we took, we looked at the fight the same way, man, probably around the, fourth or fifth I started you know fading away on it and I didn't get to check it out but he did he stopped him in the TKO going into the 10th round um he was able to get him out of there man but yeah Andrade we got to see some bigger fights from him man we want to see how good he really is he's supposed to be that good um you know they're selling to us that he's that good uh Billy Joe Saunders not taking the fight uh, sort of sort of adds to the lure of this guy is are people ducking, you know, the Charlo duck talk is, you know, the Canelo, the high risk, low reward talk is sorta of 
you know, added to this guy's, uh, you know, lure out there, you know, but it's similar to Tevin Farmer. When you look at it, he hasn't really beat anybody. Um, and, you know, he's not looking that great. I mean, even though it's not like he lost any rounds against this guy, Keeler, it just wasn't what we wanted to see. A, a, a guy that I think he dropped early and then couldn't get out of there after a while with all those those shots. Didn't look, I don't know. It just wasn't entertaining to me, man. So we'll see exactly what goes on with him, man. Hopefully he gets a, a big fight, I believe. You know, I read something that Eddie Hearn saying, you know, next up it will be one of the bigger names. And we'll see if he's be able to unify or, you know, or even get, you know, somebody without a belt to fight, man. But that's it on that week, the weekend's fights, man. I, uh, Ugas fought, uh, I forgot what the guy's name was, but knocked him out. I didn't, I don't, I didn't even check that one out at all. Um, wasn't anything missed, but, um, let's talk about this weekend's fight. We've got a blast from the past. Kell Brook, 38 and two. Um, they don't even say his age. He was born in he was born in '03, so he's 36, around 36 years old. Uh, fighting Mark DeLuca in a super welterweight bout. <coughs> uh, Mark DeLuca's 24 and one guy I've never heard of. I looked up, tried to look up Mark DeLuca highlights. He doesn't even have a highlight reel on here. Um, so it should be easy work. Well, we don't know how what it's going to be with Kell Brook. Kell Brook has has didn't fight at all in 2019. Uh, he fought his two fights in 2018 were were wins. I think he beat the guy that beat that beat Jeff Horn, and then I think Jeff Horn probably knocked him. Yeah, he beat the guy that beat up Jeff Horn. Um, in 2018 and so he's not he might not be all the way washed but we remember him getting his eye broke back-to-back fight supposedly against uh Gennady Golovkin and then Earl Spence Jr. back in 2016 and 17 back-to-back fights came back in 18 fought you know two guys that were probably decent but nothing to be worried about now he's uh fighting for the vacant WBO Intercontinental Superweight title over in uh, his home homeland of Sheffield, um, Mark DeLuca. So I guess more than likely, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure I don't know if JP knows about this Mark DeLuca guy. I don't. So I'm pretty sure it should be a win. But are we, the question is, are we interested in Kell Brook at super welterweight, which is a uh, junior middleweight, which is um, Charlo, uh, which is Mel Charlo. Um, do we think he can beat a guy like that? I don't think so. I think after, I think Triple G sort of took it from, took it from Kell Brook. He went up there, went up and wait to fight Triple G, got battered, looked all right at the beginning, got battered and bruised. Um, but then came back down to welterweight to fight Earl Spence got battered and bruised in his hometown, lost the uh lost his belt. Um yeah, that was for a title, yeah, because he went up, he didn't fight for a title, then he fought for yeah, his IBF Wilsterweight title. Got uh KO'd, you know, so back to back KO sorta I think that hurt Kell Brooks, especially with his eye with both the guys supposedly breaking his eye sockets. 
But um, yeah, I don't know what to think. Thirty six. I'm I'm pretty sure he's thirty six. About thirty six years old. I don't know if he's got what it takes. I think he's saying after this he wants to uh, he wants the Spence rematch. I could see Spence. That might be a good a good comeback for Spence. You know, coming off of uh, coming off of his accident, I could see maybe that happening. But he's sort of calling out Spence out here in the media, saying that he wants that rematch after that. I don't see it happening. I think Kell Brook should probably fight Amir Khan. I think that's a fight that everybody wants over there. Two brown guys from the UK fighting each other. Both of them were highly touted at one point in time, and it's a fight that I think that everybody wanted to see, man. Uh, so I think he should stick to that. Stick to that. Amir Khan, somebody who can't break his face and stay away from Earl Spence and the big dogs, especially stay away from the guys out there at uh, – at junior middleweight, man. I don't think he wants to see – I don't think he wants to see those guys. Um, JP, I guess if you – what do you think about this fight? should be easy work. But other than that, what do you think about – what do you think about um, Kill Brook at middle – at super at – not super middle – at super welterweight or junior middleweight, whatever they want to call it, 154? I think Kill Brook will be – I think he'll be just fine there. Um, he was always a bigger, stronger welter. You know, there was a time when uh, Kell Brook was at welterweight and Mayweather was still around, and we was like, oh, Mayweather, way too small for that guy. I don't know if you remember that day, but um, them days. But um, I'm ex- I'm happy Kell Brook has made his way back in the boxes. This is a guy who took, if I'm not mistaken, a back-to-back of Triple G and Errol Spence when both of these Correct. guys were still yeah, still fucking killers, dude. So you got to tip your hat to to uh, Kell Brook for that. And in both of those fights, before he was stopped and stopped pretty uh, violently by both, he he had moments. And many argue in the Errol Spence fight that he was winning that fight before the stop. And we all know what happened with Triple G. I think that's the first time we ever seen Triple G get pieced up and look human versus uh, my man Kell Brook. And we already know Kell Brook put that, took that O off of Sean Porter. So I don't think there's any shade that we can be throwing when it comes to Kell Brook. Um, I think a lot of these dudes ducked Kell Brook in one being Amir Khan. Um, Amir Khan, uh, a guy who's gotten paid well from the sport, probably still getting paid well, and is basically an attraction at this point. If you have any hope or wonder in your mind if Kell Brook can be an actual contender he can't. I mean, um, Amir Khan can be an actual contender he can't. Simply because he cannot he has no resistance, man. He can't take the punch. If he could, we have a whole nother guy. We have a guy that's a, a potentially a perennial champion. But being that that guy cannot take a punch. And it's sometimes it's a, you, you hate seeing it because I believe that Kell Brook I mean, damn, uh, Amir Khan possessed all the skills at some point and would have gave a lot of these guys trouble. We've seen, you know, Amir Khan in his prime, you know, beat Marcos Maidana. Uh, He, you know, kind of barely made it to the finish line, but he won that fight pretty well on the card. So Amir Khan, a few years, just a few years ago, before all the devastating knockouts, was a guy who, you know, had a high Olympic pedigree and was a guy that everyone 
I think everyone thought was going to be a champion for a time to come. But as for Kell Brook, man, his his career seemed to go in kind of another way. I hope he's gotten paid well because I don't think there's any other fighters in the sport who takes those fights back-to-back. It's in, at, at that time, we still had a Triple G, you know, still coming, you know, still on the rise, Triple G. This is before any Canelos or any of that. Uh, this is before anybody had ever made Triple G look human. So hats off to Kell Brook for that. Then went over there when um, Errol Spence was Superman and everybody was scared of him and made him look human. So, yeah, man, Kell Brook, a dude I'm, I'm excited to have back in the sport. I think he'll he'll do just fine at 154. The question will be, is he is he damaged goods or not? That's the only question. But if Kell Brook is not damaged goods, I believe he can take every – I think he can he can beat Jamal Charlo. Jamal Charlo. I really do. Because he's a better boxer. Kell Brook, um, at welterweight, um, before all the devastation, before the broken orbital bones, which nobody can really, you know, can, you know, that's just not something the human's supposed to be enduring. Um, this guy is one of the more skilled dudes there is. He just was getting in there with absolute beast and had to fight more than, you know, kind of use technique. But he did what any man would do when he's. A, and they're overwhelmed, man. You gotta, you know, you gotta shoot your shot at this shit, because uh, I think he was overwhelmed by both guys. But you know, he he definitely gave them some scars, and definitely Errol Spence. So I think Kell Brook could go up to 154. I think he'd be fine. The question is going to be whether he's damaged goods or not. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you when it comes to skill, when it comes to fast hands, when it comes to power. Kell Brook sort of had, you know, he had it all, you know, but. He got broke, back-to-back orbital bone fractures, both eyes, fighting uh, two bums out uh, in 2018, taking the whole 2019 off. Maybe that was good for him, you know. Does he have the skills to mess with a Charlo? Yeah. You know, and his prime, I think he could probably mess with a Charlo. Can he beat a, a Jason Rosario? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe Rosario's a little too big for him. Can he beat a J-Rock? Yeah. Yeah, could he beat a Laura? You know, could he beat a Tony Harrison? I mean, he might be all right. He might be all right in there, man. Uh, but we'll see. A guy, yeah, that's that's what it's all about. Does he have it left? Thirty-six years old, he's getting to the end. Does he have anything left? Does he still have that that fighting spirit? Remember, he he was taking knees. You know, when when you have to take knees, um, I think against against Triple G, he took the knee against. Um, Earl Spence, he, you know, he got, he couldn't get up. But yeah, man, I like Kelbrook. I'm not a Kelbrook hater. I'm not down talking him. I just think he took those two devastating losses, and I don't know. And there was, it was by two bigger guys. You know, it was by two bigger guys. So I don't know if him at 154 is good for the bigger 154 guys. He has the skills, he has the technique, he has the speed. He's pretty, he's pretty damn good. But you know, I don't know if he could take those punches to the face, man, but I think that's where we'll leave that, man. We'll talk about the other – I think that was, that was coming on the zone um, during the daytime uh, on Saturday. And Showtime, you know, Showtime's been putting up a lot of boxing cards last couple of weeks. Um, none of them have been that great. But we got another one, uh, Gary Russell Jr., 
putting up his I his WBC my fault his WBC featherweight title against a guy I've never heard of. Uh, I don't even know know how to say his name, but Nayambari. I don't know how to say his name at all, but some guy from uh, from Angola who is the IBO champion. He's eleven and zero, um, nine knockouts. Um, coming off a win where he won the vacant IBO uh, championship. Um, I'm not sure about this fight at all. I'm a Gary, like I said at the beginning of the show, when Gary Russell fought Lomachenko, I knew he was the fastest, had the fastest hands in the game. He was pretty good, and I thought he was going to give Lomachenko a good fight, man. And I think they they gave him the majority decision, so I guess somebody had a I guess he lost the majority decision, so I'm guessing somebody had it to draw, maybe. But, you know, he sort of, he let me down. He wasn't throwing his punches. He looked like he was in there stuck. Um, Lomachenko, this was when Lomachenko was at his best, making guys quit, making uh, black guys look like a fool. And Gary Russell Jr., he, you know, he went down that road. But after that, even though he hasn't fought anybody, um, you know, he was able to get his uh, get the WBC featherweight title back in 2015, and he's been winning since then. Uh, he beat Johnny Gonzalez, which was, you know, it wasn't that big of a win. But he took that O against uh, – took that O away from um, one of our guys, Jojo Diaz. And this is when Jojo Diaz, people started thinking Jojo Diaz. You know, he started – he started going on a downward spiral, a sort of, I guess you would say. He he didn't look good after that. But this, you know, Jojo Diaz after that, even though in that fight he was getting worked at the beginning of the fight, at the end he put in a lot of good work. But he, you know, he lost – Jojo lost uh, that unanimous decision to, to Gary Russell Jr. And that's when I was like, okay, Gary Russell Jr. beat my guy Jojo, made him look – made him look pretty regular in there to the end. I'm going to start – I'm going to start following him again. You know, since then, he's fought two, uh, he's fought one time in 2019, and he's about to fight one time in 2020. Uh, Gary Russell Jr. is a guy who needs to fight more. Like I said, he won the fight. He won the belt in 15. He had that one fight in 15, one fight in 16, one fight in 17, one fight in 18, and one fight in 19. And this is going to be his fight in 2020. Um. I think he breaks his hands a lot. That's a, that's a reason that he doesn't fight, but I don't want to hear that. Gary Russell is a guy who I want to see do big things. He has, uh, you know, he has a big fight that he could be making. I'm trying to look up who the champions are in his division. But I think there, there's good fights he could be making, uh, either at, at featherweight or, you know, junior lightweight. He's got Josh Warrington. He's got Shakur Stevenson, which I, I don't know if he's going to fight, but there's bigger fights he can make. This guy he's fighting isn't on the top ten. Uh, well, no, he's number six. This guy he's fighting is actually number six on the uh, on Ring TV rating. So maybe, you know, maybe this isn't a Washington. I don't know. Like I said, he is the IBO champion. Um, one of these guys, I don't know too much about him. But he's rated number six, so it might not be – maybe he's not taking an easy fight, man. I don't know too much to say with it. 
I, I guess the same question. I'm I'm not sure if you know anything about this guy either, but uh, the same question would be to you: How do you feel about Gary Russell Jr. in his future? You know, and what fights do you want to see him fight next if he can if he should be able to pull this off? I don't know, man. But I'll be honest with you: Gary has been a, a bit of a letdown career-wise. Um, I think he's a guy who had the, definitely the amateur pedigree. Uh, came in highly touted, blue chip prospect, and you know did a lot of the things he was supposed to do. Um, let us all down, let the brothers down, let the brothers down uh, versus Lomachenko. Not just because he lost, but because he kind of went out like a sucker and didn't kind of throw caution to the wind and kind of got bullied and just beat soundly. So um, I kind of checked off there like you. Uh, the JoJo fight kind of got him back on my radar. Um, but like you mentioned, man, he's only fighting once a year. And when you're doing that and you're not fighting guys that we care about, you're off the radar, man. Um, Gary, similarly to Demetrius Andre, who we talked about earlier, is one of these guys who seems to have all the, all the tools in the box but has just never gotten that victory to make him a boxing star yet. You know, you got to be a boxing star to even then you become a star, you know, a sports star or something like that. But, you know, Gary Russell is a guy that seems to have all the flash, all the skill, all the things needed to become that boxing star and has been in the game, uh, seems like at least a decade, and has just never really made me care enough or any casual fan for that matter. Um, He talks a lot of good shit. A lot of good shit, and he's been talking about he won't Lomachenko. Look, man, the way Lomachenko whooped that boy last time, it don't make none of us really believe. I I have interest in it just because he's saying it. Maybe he got in there and he was kind of spooked. You know, I, I remember one time on the football field, um, high school ball, and we was playing poly. A lot of people heard of Long Beach poly. And uh, I admit, we was kind of scared. But by the second time, time the second half came around, He's like, oh, these motherfuckers are human. And so we just start, you know, playing, and we played a lot better. So maybe that's what uh, Gary could have come across, you know, and uh, and that's understandable. But I'm not very excited for Gary, man. Gary needs to get in the ring two or three times this year before I ever care about his existence. Uh, here there's a lot of young Russells coming up through the ranks. Uh, the, the Gary boy, the Russell boys are here. That's a thing. But um, – you know, man, just I, I I have no interest. Who who would I like Gary to fight? What whoever Santa Cruz Davis, any of them is plenty of. I, I take the Diaz rematch. So make me care, Gary. Make me care. Yeah, at least fight at least fight one of the champions in there. Now, like I said, this guy's rated number six um, in the Ring TV ratings. Uh, number one, the the, I, the IBO champion. So you. The other champions are Josh Warrington, uh, Zukon, and uh, Shakur Stevenson. So, you know, there's fights he can make. I don't know why he's fighting fighting these guys. Shakur Stevenson is he's ESPN, uh, maybe. I don't, and I don't think he wants to fight him either. But you know, he needs to do some kind of unification if we're going to be worried about Gary Russell Jr., who I think can probably beat all these guys. You know, I think he could beat Warrington. I think he beats a young Shakur Stevenson. I think he could beat a Zukan for sure. I think he could beat that. And I think he even have a a good chance at a junior, at junior lightweight with like Tevin Farmer, Jamel Herring, 
Jojo Diaz, who's who's a champ, Burchill. I think he has a good chance with those guys too, man. So we'll see what he can do. I definitely don't see him having a chance against Warrington or uh, who else you say after Warrington, Shakur Stevenson. Anybody who jabbing is going to give that little T-Rex arms joker some hell. That's what I think. Oh, man. He's fast, man. I think he's got real skills, man. But like you said, he's one of those guys, you know, who has he beat? He hasn't beat anybody. So, really, it can all be smoke and mirrors. Gary Russell Jr., when you look at his box rec, he got the Joseph Diaz. But other than that, you know, he hasn't really beat anybody. He hasn't beat anybody at all. Uh, Patrick Highland, which was uh, 31 and uh, 31 and 1. But, yeah. Yeah, he's not beating too many guys that people are really worried about. So, you could be right. We'll see. Hopefully, he fights. He's 31 years old. He's still got a little time left. But hopefully, he makes one of these big fights and quit doing all that, that bullshit talking, man. But uh, on to the little last one, man, before we get out of here. And sad news. And uh, what the hell is going on with our young brother's news. We got a video of uh, – Javante Davis snatching up his baby mama, who I believe is well, no, I don't don't think he's somebody else's baby mama also, but he's snatching up his baby mama in front of everybody at some kind of looks like it's some kind of uh, call some kind of basketball game, celebrity basketball game or something like that, and he snatches her up. He turns himself. He had to turn himself in today or yesterday for uh, domestic violence because people are filming. He doesn't punch her, but he snatches her up real good and walks her out. Uh, Javante Davis is a guy who last fight barely made weight. Who's a guy who Floyd has named the next up. Who a guy who's supposed to be following in Floyd's footsteps. A guy that Floyd has co-signed. A guy who's supposed to be making you know, major strides in the boxing game. But he keeps on taking steps back every time. Every time he takes one step forward. Got the fight in Atlanta. Was the first fight out there. Well, not the first fight, but we put a put on a big show out there in Atlanta. Um, got the knockout, I believe. And, you know, supposedly next fight is supposed to be a pay-per-view. You don't hear from him. Next thing you know, we see this crazy footage, man. I think Davis needs to let, sit down, man. And I'm not sure, you know. I remember with his last fight, uh, his last girlfriend that he was having fights with her. You know, these guys are – he didn't hit her. Now, I'll say that he just yanked her up. And, you know, there's always – there's that Chris Rock saying, you know, he wouldn't ever hit a woman, but he will shake a bitch up. So he just yanked her up. You know, it wasn't really too crazy, but it's not a look that you you want people to see when you're trying to make when you're trying to make a name for yourself. You know, I think this was a, a horrible look. You know, I don't know if he's going to get. I'm pretty sure she's not going to file charges on him. I hope so. So he just went and got that because of the video. He had to turn himself in. More than likely, she's not going to the to court or anything, so he won't have to deal with that. But he needs to stay out the limelight. And when you're in the limelight, you can't let let these women get to you that much where you're yanking them up in front of everybody, man. Um, I know you were able to see that, JP. Uh, how did you feel about that? Do you think uh, Javante Davis is, is ever going to be able to break this 
cloud that he has over him of, you know, of being just a fool. He almost has that, you know, his boy is Adrian Broner. You know, he almost has that Adrian Broner feel like he, he makes good positive steps, even though I think he's probably better. He's probably better and probably should have a better career than Adrian Broner. But he keeps on taking these steps forward and just to come back with some foolishness. And then the foolishness is in front of everybody, which makes it just more stupid, man. How do you feel about that, man? Uh, I know you got to see that little uh, video. Yeah, definitely unfortunate, man. <clears throat> but well, let's just keep it a buck. Uh, we don't really care about women all that that much. I know there's a front out there in the in media and on, on in, in this movement right now, Me Too and all that. But dude, man, these dudes are our, our president. Then fully admitted to grabbing women by the pussy, and they and they think it's hot. Okay, so let's just cut all the bullshit. Um, you know, men and women, they that's been a cat and dog relationship since the beginning of time. We've beaten the shit out of women. We we've killed. I mean, I don't want to go into that whole thing. But point being, um, yes, he can get over it now. It's certainly bad optics. You know, that's something you don't we don't need to be seeing. Um, then it also leans to the question, what what comes next for me? If he's willing to do this at home, I mean out in public, what's he going to do at home? Now, I think it's it's not a stretch to assume that, you know, man, he might, he might put a hand on her. But look, let me speak to that, and that's why I'm here. <clears throat> look, man, that's a 20-something-year-old dude. I know as a responsible man in today's climate, I'm not supposed to ask, what she possibly could have done to deserve that. And now, the word, the key word I just said there is deserve that. Now, I don't know if Gravante Davis is married to her. I don't know that. But let me tell you this. If he is married to her, and she over there being a little too goddamn flirty or something, I'm just going to speak for me and say as a, as a man, as a husband, uh, I'm a, I'm a, if it, I don't condone no hitting a woman, but if you gotta grab her up or arm her, look, I'm not gonna, I'm not putting you on the cross. I'm not convicting you. That's me personally because I'm just gonna keep it a hundred. Now there's certain guys out there who, who never could see themselves uh, grabbing a woman forcefully, or you know, just, and, and I respect that. But in, in in my real life, I've never hit a woman, and that I can swear by. Um, I've been in situations where a woman was trying to really hurt me and I had to, like, grab her. Um, I ain't going to go into all these details, but I've never hit a woman. But I've had to, like, I've been mad to points where, you know, I've grabbed and I've been attacked and things like this. So whatever it is, there are times between husband and wife behind these closed doors um, where children are disciplined, where we're not supposed to do those things and all that stuff. Um, if we're just going to put it all on the table here, um, those things happen. He's a young man, needs time to mature, and that kind of stuff takes maturity by himself and the young lady. Now, I don't know. Um, what the hell is going on? I don't know what uh, what she did, and that's not a thing we're supposed to ask. Um, but Gravante definitely needs to cool his motherfucking jets, man. I mean, I don't give a damn what she did. Now, 
if if you ask me, she probably was doing some flirty shit with some dude um, or something like that and embarrassed him. And to a, a athlete with a giant ego, um, doesn't 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 sit well, uh, especially for a woman that you're probably you know buying all types of nice things for. So, nonetheless. I just think it would be a learning experience for him. I definitely think we'll get by it. He's going to be taking his mug shot, um, and he'll be out in no time. And um, hopefully he gets by this and he learns a lesson from it. Definitely bad on the optics, though. Um, definitely keep your hands off of women. Definitely be more contemplated in public. And, um, you know, they learn from it. That's all. Yeah, man. Uh, I've never really had to do nothing to no woman, put my hands on a woman. I'm the, I'm the guy that was, I'm quick to say, hey, bitch, I'll, I'm, I'm about to call the police. You know, I had to do that with my baby mama. She tried to get out of control one time. I told her, hey, I'm hey, I'm going to call the police. We ain't about to sit here. I ain't going to jail. I ain't going to let you sit, get me put in jail. So, But I can understand it. Um, but, yeah, if he's snatching her up that hard in front of everybody, He's probably two piecing at the house, and that's pro- and that's not a good that's not a good look. And even if he's not, you don't want people to think that you are because you're out here snatching her up. That was a that was a hard snatch up. Um, and I I remember he had that last girlfriend, which was bigger than him. I don't think this is the same one. He had one chick that was sort of that was that was I think she was some rapper's baby mama. She was bigger than. Him. I don't think he would have snatched her up like that, man. But like you said. I'm sure he'll get over this. He's a young man, still very young, still new to this new to this thing, man, and who knows what she said, what happened, and why he felt he had to do that, man. But hopefully he gets he'll get through it. I'm pretty sure he will. And hopefully we see a big fight from him. Uh like a lot of these guys we're talking about, he isn't fighting anybody. You know, he beat Pedraza up a, a long time ago. We haven't seen anything since then. He's supposed to be a pay-per-view star, and hopefully, like we talked about Andrade, like we talk about uh, Tedman Farmer, like we talk about uh, who did we just talk about? Uh, who the hell were we just talking about? Who's fighting this Gary Russell Jr.? These guys, they're supposed to be real good, but they haven't fought anybody. They haven't they haven't really proven their greatness. So hopefully, he'll be able to do that. He'll get past this, man, and we'll hear from him soon, man. But with that said, I think that's where we're going to end it tonight. Glad I got my man JP on here. Uh, JP, before we get out of here, anything going on with the Relatively Fat and Black podcast? Okay. Uh, Not much, man. Uh, Working on the other side of town and some other stuff. Uh, So a little slow right there. But, you know, we're going to get back to it. Ain't no thing. Uh, you know, collecting that data, and uh, we'll get back to it, no doubt. For sure, for sure. So we'll catch y'all, man. We'll probably be on uh, Sunday, man. We'll see what uh, RT's talk about, see what man Seattle Times talk about. But until then, y'all make sure y'all like, subscribe, do all that good stuff when it comes to Outsiders Boxing Podcast. And we'll catch y'all on Sunday. Peace out.